The Grassroots Network summer podcast series has been generously underwritten by Turnkey Vacation Rentals. Turnkey Vacation Rentals is the first truly owner-centric vacation rental service now available in the Roaring Fork Valley. We handle all of your short-term rental property management needs, offering superior service and high returns. Turnkey's straightforward pricing and transparent business model make it easier for you to earn revenue from your rental. Proprietary technology provides a smoother, more efficient experience for both travelers and vacation rental owners. Trustworthy, local staff provides support around the clock with true full-service property management for homeowners and their guests. For more information on Turnkey Vacation Rentals, contact Mark Viola at mark.viola at turnkeyvr.com or call at 970-368-4288. Turnkey Vacation Rentals supports the Grassroots Network in your community. Hi, welcome to Grassroots Television. I'm Brent Gardner-Smith. I'm the editor and executive director of Aspen Journalism, and Grassroots has asked me to interview the three candidates for Pitkin County Commissioner this year. We have three candidates running in District 3. We have two seats that are unopposed. George Newman and Steve Child are running for re-election unopposed, but we have three candidates running in District 3. The three candidates will be narrowed in a runoff to two candidates. The election is June 28th. Ballots have already been mailed to Pitkin County electors. Um, we are here now with Hawk Greenway, who is a member of the Open Space and Trails Board in Pitkin County, where he served for 18 years, but it's his first time running for elected office. So you had long conversations with yourself about, well, should I do this? Should I run for elected office? Or has this been simmering for a while as you sit on the Open Space and Trails Board? It has been simmering for a while. I uh, attempted to run um, the last time through, I think, and uh, due to some districting issues, um, which were basically gerrymandered lines. Um, uh, my uh, place of residence was not in the district, and it was there were like three different maps, and uh, it was in two of them and not in the other one. And so I actually petitioned to say, clarify this and let me run for this uh, seat. And then, so I have, it has simmered for years, to answer your And so you live in the Muskeming Road neighborhood east of Aspen. Yes, so up which on is Within the yeah. city of Aspen. Yeah. And then you also own property on the backside of Aspen Mountain. You have a little cabin back there. Well, I had a cabin which mm -hmm. um, sold uh, a couple of years ago. Okay. And um, it, when it sold, I ended up with a, uh, a different uh, parcel of property back there. So okay. I do own, uh, continue to own land on the back of Aspen Mountain. Okay. And so your experience on open space, the recommendations that the Open Space and Trails Board all need to be approved by the Board of County Commissioners. That's right. right. So you've been, in a way, serving under this, this body for 18 years. Has that been a, a frustrating experience? Has that been what has been simmering? Have you think, seen things decided upon at Open Space and Trails that the commissioners have either rejected or toyed with? Is that no, part of no, what's in, driving in, you? In fact, the opposite. Um, I was uh, struck by the structure that the county has set up. I mean, first of all, it's a volunteer board. And so um, it's a citizen check. Uh, but the Open Space and Trails program is unique in that it really has checks and balances built into it because there's a phenomenal amount of money involved. Uh, but not one penny of that money has been spent without the approval of both boards. So the way the Open Space and Trails board works is as a uh, essentially a vetting venue of citizens who 
hash things out. And so it's, um, in a sense, a buffer for the uh, county commissioners because um, we get all of the complaints, we get all of the opportunities, we, ha you know, we sit down and work through them as a board and with staff, and then forward recommendations for um, the budgetary... Um, for the purchase of property. For the purchases of property and for the expenditure of funds mm -hmm. to the Board of County Commissioners. And um, it is not a rubber stamp process. And that vetting process, I mean, it, like many things in government, can move at a glacial pace. But it's, um, we vet them also with the Board of County Commissioners because we don't want to start down a trail that has uh, a great deal of uh, uh, mental energy as well as time, and you know our time and energy is limited. Um, if the county commissioners are going to throw up a red flag and say, no way, we're not interested. So we'll say, hey, by the way, we're looking at such and such a property or a trail or a expenditure, and the county commissioners will guide and steer from a distance. So it's been a very collaborative um, 18 years. I've seen many um, uh, commissions come and go, and they all have a slightly different flavor. And so you're always doing a little bit of vote counting, a little bit of um, uh, considering the individual characteristics of each um, board, um, of each board member on the county commissioners. The, um, it's been astounding to me in terms of a consensus building process and the collaborative process. Um, in 18 years, we've had 100% success in having the Board of County Commissioners approve the Open Space and Trails budget and, and expenditures. So that's a reflection of the amount of work that goes into it and the, the process. You have to say the process works. So you're not running as an Open Space um, and Trails member who said, well, I'm disgusted with the, how the county keeps shutting us down, so I'm going to go in and, and overturn the system. It's the opposite, as you've been saying. It's a the, the opposite, but you know, a, a bit of a wrinkle to that is, um, you know, I'm a firm believer in civic participation, which I first started when I was called for jury duty. And you know, you think, oh, what a drag. I don't want to spend my time on jury duty. But then in the back of your mind is the thought, if I were being charged with a crime, I would want a jury. And I would want somebody who's thoughtful and um, you know, not reactionary on that jury. So when you think of it, the system doesn't work unless you have civic participation. So that's why I've been a volunteer for so long because you know it's incredibly rewarding to see the results up and down the valley. But it's also um, you know part of having a society that's worth living in. So when I see the county commissioners and having worked with them so closely and to, and over the years, you realize that. Uh, they put their pants on one leg at a time. You know, they're not supermen. It's, this is not something that's a stretch beyond what normal humans can do, and it is a, a civic service. So when you think of um, community service, that's what I'm seeing um, at that uh, county commissioner level. Well, I've covered county commissioner um, meetings for years off and on as a reporter, and of course you have the luxury as a reporter to get up and leave uh, at certain points in a meeting if you're not interested in the subject matter. And um, you often feel like, see you guys, um, you know, you got to stay and suffer and you have to do your civic duty and, and right. continue to, to listen to a particular issue, which may not be all that exciting. So I agree with you that it is 
public service, um, to be sure. And if anyone doesn't think so, they have to go to three public meetings in a <laughs> row from start to finish. Uh, Indeed. <laughs> so Open Space and Trails is going to ask the voters to reauthorize the property tax that funds the acquisition uh, of property and the development of trails. And I gather in this election there's a bit of a difference between you and the other candidates about the trails portion of Open Space and Trails. And I've seen this developing perhaps with the development of uh, management plans. So open space and trails typically buys a parcel of land and then it comes back to and says, well, you know, now that we own it, we got to manage it. And so how much recreation and how much preservation and conservation. So talk about that a little bit and what you're hearing out there on the campaign trail about trails versus open space. We having a debate in this community about that? I think we are. Um, I think it's important to recognize that the open space program has multiple mandates. It's a, it's a broad program because we have from the one end, um, wildlife, to the other end, we have agriculture. We're seeking to add uh, some historic um, uh, preservation aspects to it as well. We have water rights. So this you know, broad stretch of that. Part of that mandate is trails and recreation and getting people out onto um, publicly owned open spaces and accessing to um, the hinterlands of Pitkin County, the wild um, back country. So, I mean, I, when you look at it in terms of uh, the history of um, like land use and neighborliness here, it, in the old days, it used to be handshake over the fence. Of course, you can go get your cows or you can you know, get to the high country across my back pasture or whatever that is. Um, and with the new um, turnover of ownership, we've lost some of that community um, um, neighborliness ease, and the ease, ease. Right. and it's it's a response to population pressure. You know, mm -hmm. he's like um, now the privacy has become an incredibly uh, huge value here. We see people buying not only the house that they're living in, but the houses all the way around them. And we have the kind of wealth in this community you can establish that for privacy purposes. So I thought about that listening to my neighbors barking dogs that <laughs> wouldn't it be nice I'll just buy the house and, and and put them away. But so if you have this uh, this sense of uh, privacy then what used to be accessible to people who lived in this community is is no longer accessible. So um, a part of the mandate in open space is to keep public lands accessible is to keep the public involved. It's also a question of funding. I find myself thinking um, we are asking a lot of the voters to come in and say, let's extend the program another 20 years, and this is going to hit your, you in the pocketbook. Um, if so you're a property owner. If you're a property owner, it's going to mm -hmm. hit property owners in the pocketbook. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, that's, you know, most of the voting uh, population here. So when you see... Um, what they get for their money, a good portion of it, and it's a certain percentage, a mandated percentage on, in the open space um, enabling legislation, is, to, is for this trails component of it. It's not the entire program. It's a broad program. The program w runs from wildlife preservation. We've got properties that are fee-owned in simple, you know, full title ownership that are completely closed to the public for wildlife reasons. We have, at the other extreme, we have conservation easement properties which have no public access whatsoever. When I say we have conservation easements on properties right. is what I mean, I mean right. to say, and that they're agricultural properties that will never be developed, which is what the public wants. 
and it's what the landowners want, and so it's a, it's a partnership with existing landowners to um, maintain agricultural productivity as a part of the valley here. And you guys get it from both sides. Well, you bought this piece of land and now we can't use it, or, well, you bought this piece of land and now everybody's using it. Right. I, you know, in 18 years, I've sort of seen it all. It's all come through. And I'm reminded of a um, stretch of the Rio Grande Trail, that when we went to open and, and construct the Rio Grande Trail and um, put the Wingo Bridge in, um, the neighbors were aghast. What do you mean? You're going to have public going through here on this um, right-of-way, on this railroad right-of-way. And uh, in fact, we sort of had to swallow hard and say, yeah, this is a, it's a part of the, uh, I'd like to think of it as infrastructure. This is part of the infrastructure of our community and, and these things, you know, need to get built and they need to be a part of it. And today, you know, the neighbors love it. Everybody has a little trail going to access the trail, uh, the Rio Grande Trail from their properties. When they go to sell their house, it says on the Rio Grande Trail. Right. There's some <laughs> question as to whether or not they're selling because it's on the Rio Grande Oh my gosh, I got to get out of here. Right. But, uh, or whether or not it's just like, this is an amenity and, and right. this is a sought after amenity in our community. It's made it very popular and, and uh, I mean, we're, I can't imagine the community without the Rio Grande. If you get elected, will you lead the effort to, I would imagine you would, um, to extend the mill levy for open space? Uh, part well, of it, oh, it's on the um, same. It's on the November ballot. I'm expecting it to be mm -hmm. on the November ballot. We're hashing it out. We're, mm -hmm. we're um, working to get it onto the November ballot, with right. the, and again, in collaboration with the county commission. So you'd be on the same ballot as I'd the. I'd be on the same ballot. Potentially, right. And I. Um, fully expect and hope that this program is um, strong enough and well-liked enough by the public that it's making a difference in the community that it will continue for another 20 years. Well, it has been um, voted in once and reauthorized in both by very large measures. Indeed. Um, so let's talk about some other things that will perhaps beyond your open space portfolio. Um, I understand you're a pilot, so you have some insight into the airport. You fly in and out yourself of the I do. Of Pitkin County Airport. Have you um, immersed yourself in the, the planning process to date with the airport, and do you think it's on track, or do you think it needs to be changed? Uh, immersed is a too strong of a word <laughs> I'm familiar with. Okay. <laughs> uh, the, um, the airport is a real challenge here, because it, I've been flying in and out of there for 25 years, both as a commercial passenger and as a commercial pilot and as a private pilot. Um, it, so I've watched it grow from funky, where, you know, taxi up to the old building type of a thing, um, to a more urban experience and uh, with more and more and more traffic out there. So it's certainly a challenge. It's, we've uh, challenged airport. Um, one of the biggest changes that I've seen in that 25 years is the new security measures the TSA have imposed on it as, and then just flat traffic numbers. Especially so, in private jets. Well, the private jets are um, oh, uh, an astounding sight to see. I mean, it's one of the phenomenons that Aspen has become when you look at it and you, you think, you know, there's multiple billions of dollars worth of heavy metal sitting out there. Aspen's it's, Air Force. Yeah. It's, it is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. And um, so in terms of the changes that are coming down the pike, um, they're in the middle of a uh, NEPA clearance of um, for the new terminal, included in that clearance is the entire runway and moving the runway. One of the things that we're facing is um, that the next generation of airplanes will be coming out with longer wingspans. So I have really mixed emotions about that because, you know, that 
I'm nostalgic for the older and the funkier, and the um, the new longer-winged airplanes are more efficient. So, uh, I, you know, I don't necessarily trust the um, carbon footprint numbers that certain studies have shown for the airport because um, the, I, I think that they're um, skewed in the uh, to, to the low side, I think we have a pretty huge carbon footprint out no there. No doubt, no doubt. So when I think I wrap the airport up into climate change issues because of that carbon footprint, and I think that climate change is one of the things facing our society and, you know, much beyond uh, Pitkin County, obviously, um, that we really owe it to ourselves, to our future generations, to um, exhibit a leadership issue there. Do you think we can get our heads around that bigger planes may be less polluting? We can it, with the, uh, I, like, I like to think of it as these longer wingspans are going to mean more glider-like efficiencies. The problem is, I mean, as, like many of these things, it's complicated in that. It also are, lets the G6s in, right? Well, we're talking about future air traffic carriers, which everybody can get, okay, these are going to be more efficient. They're going to be quieter, more efficient aircraft. The only airplane out there now that is prohibited from coming in is the G650, which is a, the Gulfstream private aircraft. And they're not necessarily more efficient. What they have is longer range. So when you think of uh, Aspen as a part of the global community, these airplanes are now capable of going, um, you know, like Aspen to Hong Kong um, type of a thing um, with, you know, I mean, they're basically, we are a global visit village. These things can go... Uh, any place in the world with perhaps one stop. So they're incredibly efficient. Um, that's sort of who Aspen is today. We are the 1% or the half percent of the world. So the world wants to be here and has private airplanes that can do that type of thing. So um, what do you think you're going to do? You're going to support mixed emotions. I do support it. I think that um, on the whole, there are two reasons to support the, um, the moving of the runway. One is the safety. You know, this is what the federal government uh, regulatory atmosphere does. Is it, it? We're not getting the money unless we do it. Well, exactly, and um, which is fine. I mean, we could. We have money is not our limiting factor in this community. <laughs> What's the limiting factor is usually like the uh, space. Uh, well, space. And, you know, we're trying to shoehorn an awful lot mm -hmm. into a small space, but it's also. Um, I want to say ideas or the it's the Cultural leadership values, to get to, well, what makes sense to do here. So usually and oddly and, and um, you know, sort of uniquely, money is not usually the limiting factor. Uh, so well, so pilot, I, would, I would move it because of the climate change issue, the carbon footprint issue, and the safety factor. I would um, put the major caveat on that is that um, we need to have strength when going to negotiate with the federal government to say, now that you've put this airport into this category that allows these longer winged airplanes, we're not going to give up on our uh, weight limitations, for example, and let's keep um, the uh, Boeing business jets, which is essentially a 737, um, weight limited out of here. There's a certain scale here that's just not going to fit. Uh, in terms of the terminal, the, um, the terminal I'm not a big fan of the existing terminal building. I think the uses of it, the TSA requirements, um, it's, you know. It's overwhelmed. Uh, it's overwhelmed. 
but it's not necessarily a warm fuzzy anyway. It's not a. It's probably not that um, energy efficient of a of a building. Uh, there's certain aspects of it I like. I like the parking, like drive up and park type of thing to load and unload. That seems friendly to me. Um, so I would want to keep some of those aspects of it. And that, so there's some design considerations out there. One thing that I have heard a bunch on the camp campaign trail is uh, that experience of walking in the open air from an airplane to and from the, air, the commercial airplanes is uh, part of the funky small town feeling thing. Um, Operationally, that's difficult for the airlines, means more security concerns out there. But to me, that's a worthwhile trade-off. So it's, well, what can we do to design to keep uh, things that are important? Yeah, that's a funny question. I mean, I kind of like that, although there are mornings in February where hey, I don't really see, think it but makes you're a great in the deal of sense. Yeah. <laughs> but you're in the mountains. It's okay to be in the mountains. Let's talk about a couple of other classic issues in Pickens County. We only have about 10 minutes left, housing and transportation. And so... I think we need to stop calling it the entrance to Aspen and maybe call it the, the entrance to Pitkin County, which actually starts in Willits, or, or maybe the exit to Pitkin County is more appropriate, certainly in the afternoon, that's what it is. Um, any bright ideas on, on how to solve that thorny issue? Well, let me make one point in. On the Open Space and Trails Board, we've looked at um, sort of entrance to Pitkin County questions quite a bit, North Star being um, one end of that spectrum and then the Emma area at the other. And um, we've done... Um, open space work at both ends. Um, I think that's a continuing, ongoing and continuing problem. So I'm a huge fan of the green belting and to say so that our um, communities are identifiable. And, and um, so that's... And distinct as opposed dis to one urban block. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Instead of sprawl running mm -hmm. all the way. Uh, and I think that's something that we can continue to work on. Um, the um, entrance into, between the airport and the uh, city of Aspen, it's primarily a city problem. And what is interesting is when you look at the, the multiple jurisdictions involved, you've got um, uh, CDOT, uh, the Colorado Department of Transportation, city of Aspen, Pitkin County playing a role there. RAFTA. And RAFTA mm -hmm. is, you know, uh, Pitkin County is a huge supporter of RAFTA. RAFTA is a... Um, an incredibly successful program, second largest transportation in the state, um, not to be um, ignored whatsoever, and, and, um, but to be enhanced and to, to work on that. But it's, this is not a simple problem. It's an intractable problem. It's almost uh, the third rail of local politics that you just don't. Um, well, let me like, try and put you, get you to touch that rail. So the essence of it is open space across the Moral, at least for light rail or perhaps uh, implementing, you know, we have a great deal of approvals on this issue. The city doesn't need another vote if it wants to put light rail and two lanes of traffic across Merol. It's an open space question, and it's an open space values question. And it's, there's also this notion hanging out there, well, maybe we can find another, we can find an equitable open space solution to this. I, I think, um, I want to make a couple points. One right. is that um, the open space that you're referring to, the Merol open space there, is, and Thomas. is a um, uh, city open space. Right. So um, this is inside of the city jurisdiction. Okay. So what I want to bring to the table is a collaborative approach. Okay. Um, I was on the open space and trails board when the roundabout was built. It was built under a condemnation action. It was a friendly condemnation in that we didn't fight it um, of to, to create the roundabout. I think the roundabout has been incredibly successful until traffic volumes hit a certain point with um, schools and uh, ski areas, you know, um, 
creating what it has. Creating this incredible <laughs> um, backup. But there's also, you know, the cemetery lane. Um, I, I'm a fan of the roundabouts. I actually th would like to see uh, traffic lights go away all up and down the valley. I could see us, uh, you know, with a goal of perhaps, you know, uh, six traffic lights, four, four to six traffic lights between Glenwood and, and Aspen and, and roundabouts in the rest of the locations. My favorite intersection of all the intersections here is the uh, Maroon Creek Club intersections of all things because it's uh, uh, essentially transparent from the Highway 82 experience with the underpass. I mean, it just works and functions. Of course, it's not carrying very much traffic. But um, so in terms of, cr of, I think the city of Aspen needs leadership. I think that the Pickin County collaboration with city of Aspen can be supportive of that. I mean, and picking. you throw um, uh, CDOT in there as well. And so, you know, you, I think we need to bring all of these uh, elements to bear and address it. We've been trying to say, let's freeze traffic volumes at a certain, I mean, 1970, 1993, 93 level. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm reminded of that parable of the king standing on the uh, shores of the ocean commanding the tide to stop. You know, it's like, great, you can say whatever you want, but uh, <laughs> the, the world has a way of right. dealing with you. Right, how do we get Brent out of his Subaru uh, is the main question. Uh, how do you get me to stop driving right. from basalt is, is the big question. All right, another subject, because we have five minutes left. Okay. Uh, let's talk about the county um, building. So the county commissioners have decided to go ahead and build the building, uh, expand the county administration building. I've seen the rendering, it doesn't cause me too much shock and horror. Uh, apparently the city of Aspen didn't like it and tried to suggest that they not build it. Um, you in favor of that structure? Is that I, I am in favor of the structure. I think that um, I've watched um, the demands on Pitkin County government grow and um, you need you know elbow room to um, meet those demands. So um, you know we're moving to a more professional government, uh, uh, you know better um, provision of services and that requires a certain amount of office space and meeting space. Um, so uh, um, I think that the timing is right to go forward with that. They're, I, they're putting it in a little piece of open space, right? <laughs> well, actually... <laughs> or vacant land. I'll they're setting it back. They're trying uh -huh. to, they're trying to um, harmonize with the historic elements of the existing uh, courthouse, which I think is a treasure and um, mm -hmm. if it's not on the historic register, it should be. Mm -hmm. um, and and working that into the existing somewhat unfortunate um, Plaza One building. Um, so I, I support the building. I think that we need, we need the space. We need to go forward with it. A good portion of that's going to be back in the parking lot behind the um, uh, memorial open right. space And the design area. is right, you think? Well, um, right enough. <laughs> You know, I'm an architectural critic as much as the next guy. <laughs> I'm an untrained architectural <laughs> critic. I'm not an architect. And uh, that's this a license is... we all get in Pickin County. Exactly, right? <laughs> you get to be an architectural critic. I believe me, I've grasped about some of the other buildings that have come in. Um, the the uh, to me, I find I find it important to say um, we have some great brains in this community. We have some great architects. At why would you go and take architectural review boards and then throw out their suggestions entirely? But, but again, I'd come back to the collaboration with, um, between the city and the county there. I think that that's something that um, we can do better. 
and I think you do better by listening to each other. It would have been nice probably to have the city's endorsement. So I think we, this, yes. So we have two minutes left, Hawk, so I need to give you enough time to answer the question of, well, why should anyone vote for Hawk Greenway for county commissioner in, in 2016? Uh, and let you give your, your pitch here. Why, why would you be a good county commissioner? Well, I think that uh, the 18 years experience that I have of, uh, as you mentioned, surviving um, meetings um, on the Open Space and Trails Board directly translates into the similarity with the uh, County Commissioner's Boards. I have a good um, uh, working and collaborative relationship with the existing board members, which will be coming back in there, so I'm an, a known quantity as far as that goes, uh, not a wild-eyed radical. Um, uh, I think that um, I have a sense of the, uh, uh, the depth and, and um, deliberation that it takes to make wise decisions there. So I'd like to have the opportunity to do some further civic service. And do you think that you'd have a particular one or two things you'd really like to accomplish? If you got elected, is there something you'd really, I mean, obviously the continuation of the open space might be an obvious one. Is there something else that you'd really like to change? No, I, I don't think one person can make um, that uh, great of a difference. Uh, I think if, if there were one thing I would say would be um, collabor uh, closer collaboration with the city of Aspen to solve some of these uh, trail issues. Uh, I'd like to see the uh, music school trail built. I think that that's... Um, uh, disaster waiting to happen when somebody gets killed on that road. So um, in addition to the open space work, which is a collaboration with the uh, Board of County Commissioners, and I think it's important we have somebody on that board that understands uh, the intricacies of that uh, open space program. So you've been out campaigning, you want the job? You've been asking people to vote for you? I have been, yeah. Mm -hmm. And what's uh, the biggest thing on people's minds, do you think? What are they worried about? Are they critical of Picking County in some fashion? I think growth. I mean, you could. I think in a in a uh, nutshell, you could boil it down to growth, and that mm -hmm. it's just the the pressures on the community and the the rapidity of change mm -hmm. coming in here. So, um, you know, we're the perennial issue. Right? The perennial issue and mm -hmm. the old um, Chinese curse: may you live in mm -hmm. interesting times. These are interesting times. Mm -hmm. Broadband is going to be a game changer here. If right. broadband may take cars off of the mm -hmm. road when you can do most of your work from home. On the other hand, that may mean that. Um, a uh, hedge fund manager from um, New York could also do his work mm -hmm. from his place in mm -hmm. Pitkin County. So it may drive even more growth mm -hmm. as um, uh, you know, as people get internet connectivity uh, at speeds that are astounding. And that's one of the um, things that uh, Pitkin County government is working, know, working on. on. Right. The, I think the other thing is this um, uh, water rights. Mm -hmm. uh, we are going to be you know, challenged with climate change and, uh, you know, another 10, uh, doubling of the population in uh, Colorado is going to mean they're going to come after our water here. Right. So everything we can do on water, uh, I have a All water right. rights background. Super. Well, we're out of time, Hawk, and that went far too fast. I think we should thank you for your service on Open Space and Trails and wish you good luck in the uh, election. Thanks very much. Thank you, Brent. You're watching Grassroots Television. This is ProbeLine. I'm Brent Gardner-Smith, the editor and executive director of Aspen Journalism. ProbeLine has been underwritten by a grant from the Thrift Shop of Aspen. Thanks very much for watching Grassroots, and make sure you vote. The Grassroots Network Summer Podcast Series has been generously underwritten by Turnkey Vacation Rentals. Turnkey Vacation Rentals is the first truly owner-centric vacation rental service now available in the Roaring Fork Valley. 
We handle all of your short-term rental property management needs, offering superior service and high returns. Turnkey's straightforward pricing and transparent business model make it easier for you to earn revenue from your rental. Proprietary technology provides a smoother, more efficient experience for both travelers and vacation rental owners. Trustworthy, local staff provides support around the clock with true full-service property management for homeowners and their guests. For more information on Turnkey Vacation Rentals, contact Mark Viola at mark.viola at turnkeyvr.com or call at 970-368-4288. Turnkey Vacation Rentals supports the Grassroots Network in your community.